Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Movies That Make Us. I'm Jake. I'm Tracy. And I'm Val. And today for this bonus episode, we are talking about a movie called Just Mercy, uh, which came out at the end of last year. Uh, it is a story uh, and we'll get into the story and everything, but we wanted to talk about this movie uh, because there's a lot of stuff going on in the world um, today uh, and a lot of confusion. I think for me, one of the biggest reasons I wanted to watch a movie like this and want to talk about it uh, is I've never been on the receiving end of, of racism. I don't know what that is like, but I want to try to understand and I want to try to be a better ally and a better, um, I don't know, a better friend uh, to those that, that have experienced it. And, and I think a big key to that is understanding. And I think movies like this help us to understand that uh, a little bit better. Yeah, when um, Just Mercy came out last year, um, I was a big fan when we did our um, show on the Oscars and we talked about the snubs and um, I was really upset that this movie, um, it only got three nominations um, when it came to uh, any of the award shows. So it got two NAACP nominations um, and one uh, SAG Award nomination for Jamie Foxx. Um, and is such an incredible movie um, that it was a little upsetting because I, I didn't think that some of the movies that were in for best movie mm -hmm. um, actually deserved that title last year. Um, but uh, this film based on a true story, very powerful film um, and Jamie Foxx and Michael B. Jordan, I think really held their own in this film. Um, and, you know, I've seen it like five times now. And I'm so happy that Warner brothers decided that what they needed to do was to make this movie available free for anyone on any streaming platform for the entire um, month of June, which actually sparked a bunch of the uh, streaming networks like um, Netflix and Amazon to then pull other movies that you can watch for free, like Selma and, um, uh, one of my um, favorite documentaries, uh, 13th, if you haven't seen that. Um, and then there's another one called I'm Not Your Negro, which is a fantastic documentary about um, three different people um, during a time of unrest, which is what we're going through right now. And their mm -hmm. story, two of them being um, Malcolm X and uh, uh, Martin Luther King. Uh, so it's, uh, there's some really fantastic, um, movies and documentaries out there for you to watch right now. If you need to spark a conversation with you, your family and your friends, if you feel like Jake, myself, and I think probably Tracy that you want to understand something a little bit more. Um, and, and these are very well-made movies. So, um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, this, this movie, <laughs> it hits so hard because I, I don't know about you guys, but I spent a lot of my life thinking that we were further along in our progression as a people against racism than we are. And unfortunately over the last however many years um, that veil has been stripped away and it's become so clear that we're not nearly as far as I thought we were, because like Jake said, I'm, I'm isolated. I'm a white guy. I'm now middle-aged. I live in Taylorsville, Utah. Um, I'm not being oppressed. I'm not being 
you know, um, moved against. And it, 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 stories like this are so important because people really turn to the movies. It, it can be an entertainment value, but it can also be an educational value as well. Um, yeah. And this managed to be to be both. It didn't come across as preachy. It didn't come across as, um, a, an, I don't know what the word I'm trying to say, but it didn't come across as, as trying to, it, it was just trying to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And it's a yeah. very powerful story. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I want to, you know, I, without making this a hugely educational um, podcast, which I think it's okay if this one is a hugely educational yeah. podcast, yeah. that's what we need right now. Um, civil rights and our history has always been something that I um, have studied my entire life. And I was very um, excited when my daughter was in junior high, because that's really when we um, as Americans really learn about civil rights um, and the civil rights movement. And uh, when she was in junior high, they let her watch Selma at her school. And I p- would pick her up from school at the time. And I said, I would always ask her, so what'd you learn today? And we would talk about, you know what? And she's like, we watched Selma. And for the next four days, we had great conversations. And when I watched it again yesterday, she sat, came downstairs, sat with me, watched it with me. We had another great conversation. And that's what it's all about is we need to have conversations, um, especially with our kids about what's going on, because um, most of them, at least with my daughter, she doesn't understand why people are racist because she wasn't brought up. Um, I've never taught her that at all. She doesn't understand that because in my family, between her and I, we accept people, right? Um, right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you, you said, you know, however long, it was July 2nd, 1964, when we passed the um, amendment that everyone, including them, had um, Black people had the right to vote, had right. To, the right to do things. That was a long time ago, but at the same time, not very long uh, ago. Yes, absolutely. We, we, it's, it's long enough ago that we should be further along than we are right now. But the very person, the, the girl that was the first girl that um, went to a, um, a, a non-segregated school just turned 72. Yeah. So she's still living. So again, it's like, it's this thing where it, it's it hasn't been long enough, but it also has been long enough. We should be right. further along than what we are. The things that are happening on the streets right now of cities across our nation are the same things that were happening in 1963 and 1964 to get them rights, to get all of us rights. But we're still like, why are we doing this now? Like, why aren't we further along? So I think there's a lot of anger, unrest, um, not, there's not understanding. And so I think, like you said, movies and documentaries are so powerful because they tell stories to us that we would never know otherwise, which is so, this why media is so powerful because we can actually see inside someone's life that we wouldn't know. We are sitting in a jail cell in this movie with three or four different characters of different stories and trying to understand what it would be like to be them because we, we would, us three would never know that ever. Yep. Right. Right. So it's interesting when we talk about, um, this is my experience watching this movie. So I, I'm a history major. That's what I studied in school. And so I, I, I feel pretty 
comfortable with a lot of uh, my knowledge in history and whatever. But when I think about things like the civil rights movement and things like that, that happened in the sixties, to me, that was before my life. So it was a long time ago. That's part of history. Right. When this movie started and I realized that this was in the late eighties and that this trial is in the early nineties, that's all of a sudden part of my lifetime. And you start to realize this isn't a story that happened before the civil rights bill was act this or act was passed. This isn't a movie that happened, uh, you know, at the turn of the century in the, in the 20th century, this is a movie that happened within all of our lifetime. And what's even more shocking, like his, his, um, one of the other inmates on death row, uh, at the end, it talks about how he was released yeah. in 2015. Yeah. So another 23 years that he had to sit on death row uh, before they were able to get him out. And there was no evidence for his case either. He was found guilty because the prosecutor could tell just by looking at him that he was guilty. That was what his verdict hung on. These are stories. When you're in prison for 30 years, what do you do after? The, you, this is a totally right. different Your world life now. Your has been ruined. Yep. What you don't do you, know anything do about you computers. Know? You don't know anything about the internet. There's nothing, we can, there's nothing we can give back to this man. That right. And they mentioned that. Better. They mentioned that in the movie there the, uh, when uh, Michael B. Jordan is is talking before the court. And he says, we can never give back what we took away from this man. And you're absolutely right. And in a weird parallel. So, and Jake, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up with, with history because when I was being taught history, um, it was a lot of memorizing dates and like the treaties and it was just boom, 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 bullet points. And when I got older and then I started to, to learn the stories mm-hmm. behind these events, I love history now, whereas before I could have cared less when I was younger um, and talking about media that informs us, I mean, um, Val, did you watch the new uh, Watchmen that was on HBO? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I had no idea about Tulsa, Oklahoma and the Black Wall Street massacre that occurred. Yeah. A massive thing that happened in our history. I had no idea until I watched it a couple months ago. I had no idea that yeah. happened. That Watchmen is so powerful in so many different ways. Um, and I feel like it's kind of like the secret show that not many people are talking mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. But just mm-hmm. talking about history and history books, yesterday, um, the statue of Robert E. Lee was taken down. Right. And we were sitting around the dinner table last night talking about that. And granted, so I have my dad that's 76. I've got my daughter that just graduated from high school that's 18 and myself. And my daughter didn't learn that much about Robert E. Lee in her history classes because things have changed so much about what we're teaching kids now. Whereas when I learned about Robert E. Lee, he was almost a hero in the history book. Mm -hmm. And so I had to to then have this conversation about her, who Robert E. Lee was. And when my dad learned about Robert E. Lee, it almost hurts his feelings. Not that my dad's a racist, but that a part of that history is being taken down because when he was learning about it, it wasn't that far (laughs) from You know, like there was a part of his generation that he grew up with that experienced 
all of right. that. And right. so His it's, grandparents experience it's that. so different. And, and I very much want to make sure that those things that are being taken down go up in muse- museums so that we still have conversations about why these right. were put, you know, put into place because we don't want to just hide history. I'm very much right. about, we need to talk about history, good, bad, ugly, everything, but it just shows you the difference between my dad's history book my history book and my daughter's history book, because for so long, our generations um, were not taught the history of black history. Like we would have a couple days yeah. a year that we would be taught black history, you right. know, and luckily when I was in elementary school, the movie Malcolm X came out and so did the book. And that's kind of when I, you know, caught the bug, I guess. I don't know that I was just like, this is a, a history that, I'm not being taught anywhere else. I read the book, watched the movie, and I was hooked because I wanted to learn about this whole other America that I didn't know about, you know, and, you know, started talking to my parents about it and realized that my mom's family was very much, um, you know, a part of some of that history as well. And so, you know, it's, it's an unrest in time right now but we've gone through bigger unrests, but I feel like we need, if we actually want to make the change that needed to happen in 1962 and after we need to do this push. So this movie really shows, um, even for Michael B. Jordan, I thought it was very interesting because Michael B. Jordan is a black man who went to Harvard, Mm -hmm. Harvard law school. And when he got out of Harvard Law School and decided to make the choice to go back to his hometown and to help these death row inmates, he had never been treated like this before. Because like like we right. said, or like like you said, this is in our time period. So where he was living before and where he went to school, he didn't see what the Deep South That's and systemic. how they were still people. So when he, you know, I thought it was a pivotal moment when he, you know, he keeps talking to the inmates and like, it's different down here. You can't do this and that. And he's like, this is the law. This is what we should be doing. He didn't understand. And then when he went into the prison for the first time and the guard makes him go in another room and strip down, not because of anything except for the fact that he was black, because you don't, you don't need to ask an attorney to do that. That's not, That's not protocol at all, but he did it because he was black and Michael B. Jordan, when the officer leaves the room is almost in tears because he realized things have not changed at all. Right. And I think that that's an important thing to point out. We've, we've talked about a lot of things historically speaking. um, And the reality is, and this is where we need to be more aware, but the reality is, when we're talking about things in history, this is everyday life for people in the world today right. in the United yeah. States of America. When he gets pulled over um, by the deputies after he's gone and visited with the the sheriff and the um, DA, and he's kind of saying, you know, this is why I'm bringing up the, the file to uh, dismiss the case and whatever. And uh, but then when he gets pulled over, and the deputy has him get out of the car and he's pointing a gun at the back of his head. And he, even up to that point is trying, you know, as he's outside of the car uh, and they're going through his stuff. And one of the deputies says, you better be careful what you say when you've got a gun pointed at your head. Right. I have been pulled over by the police before, but I have never once felt 
threatened by the right. police. Right. But a reality for a lot of people, our fellow citizens in this country, is when they get pu- pulled over by the police, this is the experience that they have or the fear yeah. that that's the experience that they're going to have. And the fact that that kind of a life is a reality for anyone who lives in this country is abhorrent and wrong. And we need to, we need to fix it. Um, and so it's, it's interesting because we do talk about these things that happened in the past as a part of history. And I think that it's really to our detriment. Having studied history, it's interesting because you look at it and you can put things in perspective, but you can see these same kind of things happening today. So when we talk about segregation and the civil rights movement, all of that as parts of history, sometimes it's almost to discount that it's still going on today. And the systemic racism is still there today. And I'm not saying every police officer is racist. I'm not saying that every police officer is corrupt, but I am saying that there are, there is systemic problem. Yes. And we need to fix it. It's not who we are. Um, And this this movie really, for me, put a lot of that into perspective because this wasn't some long ago time. This was within my lifetime. This was when we had color TV. This was when, you know, all of the stuff. Um, and to see what he, the, the hoops that he had to go through to even get a retrial where they would even talk about the cases, the case being and the charges being dismissed. Um, and the fact that he had to take it up to the state Supreme Court before that was even granted was incredible to me because as he uncovered the lack of evidence that was there, well, just incredible. The frustrating part too, is you've got a new prosecutor who didn't prosecute him originally, who should be more of a neutral, but he's, and he says it, he's like, I'm getting pressure from the mayor. I'm getting pretty sure from the city council, I'm getting pressure from my Mm -hmm. neighbors. And he goes down this path for a while. And luckily course corrects and and finds the the right way to go but um and thank heavens for today's technology i mean we're seeing pretty much in real time some of these abuses happening you've got people who are being pepper sprayed and people who are being shot with rubber bullets and people whose uh car windows are being blasted out with with tasers and being pulled out of their cars um just for having the audacity of saying that what is happening isn't right and that I think is going to bring more of a sea change than just people. It's brought more attention. It's made it more visceral. It's made it more real. It's in people's faces. You can't deny it. Like you, before it was like, oh, I heard a story about somebody who knew somebody. And now it's mm-hmm. like, you can watch these things right there. And to see these protests that are happening all around the world, you're seeing this in Paris and in Rome. And I mean, it's, it's amazing. John Boyega, the star Wars actor, um, and his speech, if you haven't watched that yet, it's only like four and a half minutes, but oh my gosh, it is just so powerful. It is, he's so raw and so real and so emotional. And it's, it's heartbreaking when he's like, every one of us knows what it's like to be a race. It's like you don't exist or you shouldn't exist. And that's just, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I think, you know, if, if, um, it's so hard. I, it's been a really rough week. I gotta mm-hmm. say like, it's, it's been a really rough couple of weeks, but last week, um, cause this is coming out on a, on Monday, um, I think was really rough on a lot of people, um, to see these videos, like you said, um, 
you know, come up and, you know, and, and I don't want this to, to sound horrible, but these movies and these documentaries have been out. This information has been here. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I said, this movie, Just Mercy, it was kind of overlooked last year. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't have been um, just like another movie that's on. We put together a list of the top 20 Black Lives Matter um, movies that we think you should um, pick up. And in my top five um, is a movie called The Hate You Give, which also the year before um, and it came out in 2018 was a movie that was very overlooked, um, but very much shows teenagers um, and I think parents, um, how this is something that regardless of your age, if you're black, you're black. And right. for some people, it doesn't matter that you're a child or that you're elderly or that you're a man or a woman. Um, there's, there is hate there and there is stereotypes there and there's racism there. Um, but these movies have been out. This information has been here. Um, yeah. and luckily now people are paying attention, but you know, I think a lot of the anger and frustration is why did it take this to make you pay attention? But I'm happy that it, I'm happy that people are paying attention now. Um, I'm, I'm guilty of that. I mean, I hadn't seen just mercy until last night. Um, you know, and I try to, I try and reach out and explore. I love watching movies that teach me or explain to me or put me into a different culture, a different time. Um, but I realized, and, and, and I've known this for a while and I'm trying to do better, but um, I'm just very privileged in, in where I live and how I live and my circumstances. And it is just, I'm, I'm one that's a little late to the party. Cause like I said, I thought we were further along than we are. Um, but I'm, I, I love what Jake said earlier about trying to learn and trying to become a better person and a better ally. And yeah, I'm a little late to the party, but better late than never, right? Yeah, I I agree. Well, and I think it's, you know, for, you know, for all of us to say, to admit that we understand our privilege. Like I had to explain white privilege to my daughter. I really thought she understood um, what it meant. Um, but I think a, a lot of young people don't understand what white privilege means. And then when I explained it to her and she understood you could see in her face, you could see her change. You know what I mean? You could see the thoughts because, you know, again, we talk about this stuff a lot. And at the beginning of Selma, when there are two kids that when she saw it, that were only a couple of years younger than her, when the church explodes. And I said, there are people, and this is what I told her in seventh grade. There are people and there are kids in America right now that fear for their lives. Like these kids that are your age that fear to walk to school, that fear to get into a car. When my daughter turned 16, I did not have to sit her down and say, okay, you have a driver's license now. These are the things that you have to look for and the things that you have to worry about. Okay, now you're an 18-year-old girl and you're going out into the world. We need to have another talk. Like I've never had to have, I've had to have girl talks with her, but I've never had to have the color of your skin talk with her. That is privilege. That is the difference between me having a kid and, you know, my friend um, having her and having to sit down her sons and say at eight years old, these are the things that you have to fear. That's the privilege that I have. Well, I I saw a post online that really struck me too, is 
this this guy was saying, these are the things my mom taught me about what I need to do when I go out in public. And one of which was you always get a receipt and you always put your purchase in a bag and you take that with you until you get home and you have both of those things because then they can't accuse you of, I mean, they could still mm-hmm. accuse you, but it lessens yeah. the chances that you're going to get accused of shoplifting or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and in the movie, um, in the movie, the hate you give one of the things that because this kid gets pulled over in the movie, the one thing that they tell their kids is when you get pulled over, you keep your hands on mm-hmm. the steering wheel or other, and you don't move them and you don't fight and you don't talk back and you don't. And so like, this is something her dad has told her forever and her uncle is a police officer. And so she immediately does that the minute her friends pulled over, but those are the things, you know, that you have to teach your kid. I've never had to teach my kid that ever. Right. Well, and you can see that in this movie in Just Mercy when he gets pulled over. That's exactly what he does. He puts his hands up above the steering wheel. I'm doing exactly what you say, officer. Yeah, and he's very respectful to the officer. And as he even as he's undoing his seatbelt, he says, I'm reaching down to undo my seatbelt so that they know I'm not reaching for a gun and and things like that. I'm going to get out of the car now like you asked me to do. I'm opening the door. And he's. you can tell that he has been taught what to do when he gets pulled over by a police officer. Um, And then you see these posts come up with, these are the rules that I was taught and this is what I was told to do. Um, These are things that people are learning because they have to, Um, because if they don't do it, then there could be consequences. And um, I was never taught those things. I wasn't either. Mm -mm. I, I, you know, it, it's just a very different, different world. And you can see that throughout this movie, you know, and, and how the system can be rigged against certain populations. And in this case, the African-American population in, in uh, this town, uh, Monroeville, Alabama, and in, in the area, because as he's going through and he has presented a case that on the defense side is just rock solid. I mean, right. he has shown that there, you know, there are multiple statements from multiple witnesses that were with uh, Johnny D the morning of the murder that can say he was not anywhere near where the murder happened. He was here at this, uh, can't remember what it's called, but the, the kind of the party that they were having, it was uh, a fish bake or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's got a name and I can't remember the name and it's really bugging me that I can't right now, but uh, they, they've got all these witnesses. He has an audio tape of the key witness for the prosecution saying, no, I never saw him there. I'm not going to lie because I'll tell you right now, I've, I never saw him at the cleaners. I never. And then he gets him even on the stand. And even in the moment when he's faulty, I, I mean, that was such a powerful scene. He could tell he's looking at the sheriff and he's feeling threatened. So he's going to start lying. So Michael B. Jordan places himself between him and the sheriff and has him instead look at Johnny D and, and that that's was when he decides really to tell the subtle, truth. That was a really subtle uh, moment, which yes. I like. I, I it didn't so hit you over powerful. the head. It. it was, yeah, very subtle. That, that moment but, reminded me of like, if you've ever tried to talk to a kid with their parent in the room and you're trying to get like what their response would be, because I've taught kids before and they always look at their parents like, am I saying the right thing? I've had to do that like 
okay, but what do you think? About yeah. Like, don't look at mom and dad. Look do, you know, like yeah. in front of parents. <laughs> that's very much, I think, what um, the whole corrupt system um, in Alabama for this specific um, story is that there were some really, really bad people up here. And they ran everything. But if anyone else admitted to that, you know, not doing this, everything was going to fall. And right. and uh, it's it's very much kind of what's going on right now. <laughs> well, and and when he gets that statement from the witness um, who says, "No, I lied. I lied. I never saw him there. Like I, I, I'll tell you what. And I know that it's going to ruin my life. But what else do I have to lose? I'm already in prison right. for the rest of my life. What else are they going to do to me? And you know, when he's out then talking with, with Johnny D and his family comes over, uh, and, and everything and it, they feel like they've won, like it's going to happen. But then when the judge comes back in and says, no, there's no reason for a retrial and yeah. basically shuts it down. And you realize that the system is just the people who are in power are not the people in office, but the people who put those people in office. Those are the people in exactly power. Right. And those are the people that want to keep the status quo. And they don't want to, they don't want all of this to come up again. They, you know, they don't want to admit that they were wrong in the past. Right. And they weren't, you know, to them, it, it didn't, they wanted someone to hang and pay for that crime. And they didn't care whether it was the right person or not. They, you know, it was much easier to blame this person. Get the, get the conviction and move on. Yeah. And like at that moment when he realizes that it's not going to, I mean, his case was so solid. It was so right. airtight. Um, I mean, it leaves way more than a shadow of a doubt. It's enough to say, yeah, we need to have a retrial for sure. And the judge just says, nope. Like to me, that was an amazing thing. Um, not like amazing, great, but like amazing, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could see like on the first day when he gave like when he was giving the stuff to the judge and he was saying like and they didn't give you this information and they didn't give you that information. The judge even looks at him like, oh, my gosh, you guys. And then so you think yeah. he's going to come right. and say retrial. But in that time that he went away for a week, I think it was somebody a week. Somebody got to him. And then mm-hmm. came back. Somebody got to him and he's like, no, I don't believe any of this. You, you know, we're done. Go back to jail. Like, but you like the face that he gave was like, oh, my gosh. But then it's not really up to him. He's not running that yep. courtroom. Right. You know, and that's what they're that's what people are fighting against. And how, right. like when how do you beat the system when it's the whole system, when you're not mm-hmm. talking right. about just individuals who are racist but when the whole system is racist against you, how do you beat that system? Right. And the only way that we can do that is when everybody stands up and says, this is wrong and this it needs to be changed. Yeah. Yeah. We need a hard reboot right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, we have an opportunity. It's an and election year. At, I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. Get informed looking, and at the list, looking at the list of movies that we're going to put up on the website. Um, what you said about, um, you know, the system being rigged and the trial being rigged, even with all the information, there's at least five or six movies um, in here that are the same thing, you know, where is like, you know, um, my, the number one movie, which is actually a docu series on Netflix called the, um, when they see us, that's all based on someone wanting to say, we got the person. Let's just wrap this up. We can say that we caught the bad guy. 
Um, and it happened to be kids. You know, it happened to be kids. And we've talked about the Central Park Five before, but that whole story is based on one prosecutor saying, we just need to, we need to have somebody to blame. And this is my story and I'm not going to move regardless of how much information or how much, you know, um, you bring to me, this is it. And those kids suffered until they were grown men. The the people in those communities don't have the ability or the power to speak up against it. And if they do, they'll be shut right back down. So Mm -hmm. you don't, it's, it's so hard because it's like disposable in a way, like these people are disposable. Well, we'll put the blame on them. They'll go to jail. It's just one black person. What, what, what does it matter? Um, and that just, it's so, it just blows my mind because it is so anti everything that I try and, and be and stand for. And, and again, like, here's the other thing too, is we always think that this is like a big city problem, right? Mm-hmm. Like this happens in New York. This happens in Detroit. The, the March in Salt Lake was just a week ago where a police car was flipped and set on fire and we had bone arrow guy and um, all the craziness, but it was so weird to be watching this live on TV and going, I know exactly where that's located. That's just up the street Mm -hmm. from my work as opposed to it's somewhere else. Uh, It really hit home. My, one of my really good friends uh, is a former uh, police officer with one of the departments or one of the agencies that was called in to help Salt Lake. So as he was watching it, it wasn't just, oh, I know where that street corner is, but it was, oh, there's my buddy, so-and-so, yeah. and there's my friend. Uh, one of his good friends when he was a, a police officer was, there's a video that's out there of one of the police officers going around handing out water to some of the protesters. I saw that. Yes. And he said, oh, that's my old work busty. Like, I know him really well from when we were together as police officers. And so um, just things like that. Like, for me, I don't remember there ever being a time where something like this was happening so close uh, to where I live. Yeah. 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 It's I, you know, I was talking again to my daughter about this, because if the pandemic wasn't going on, we would have been at most of these rallies because, you know, she and I, she's a photographer. We want to record history, but we also want to lend our voices. But because her, she's high risk um, and her boyfriend's mm-hmm. mom is high risk. She's awaiting to get a heart transplant any day. So we have to be very careful about what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, like we wanted to go. And so we actually went up Sunday, the day after the first one on Saturday, um, to see if we could hand out water. Of course, we had masks on and gloves and, and kind of see, you know, what people were feeling. And it was so amazing because we actually ran into a man and his son and he's black and his son is black and his son is in first grade and just like a ball of energy. This cute kid, <laughs> they just moved here from Arizona two months ago and wow. they were out cleaning up our city the day after because it's now their city, but he said he wants to teach his son that, yes, it's okay to stand up for what you believe in and to go out and to protest, but it's also good, equally as good to go clean up after your mess the next day. Um, And, you know, we went, Sammy and I were speaking to this man. Um, These, this couple came up that were probably in their twenties and they were heading to the green pig to have lunch. And they stopped and asked, if they could help 
they found out within two minutes that the white guy and the black guy, and I'm saying this because it's very in context, they're right. from two towns apart in Arizona. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And I, in that moment, like it gives me chills and I kind of get a little watery because we think that we're so different from each other right. and that our worlds right. are so far apart, but they are not so far apart. Yes, there are, there's a huge amount of things that African Americans, black people have to struggle with that we don't, and they live right next door to us. Right. People that are our best friends, that are our family, that are our neighbors are struggling and they are, they live in the same world, the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. They go to the same churches, the same schools that we do, yet we're not struggling that struggle. Why are we not helping them? You know, right. they're helping right. us every right. day. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm like you, Tracy and Jake, like I'm definitely not against the police force. I, have Absolutely. a lot of friends that are police. I respect police, but there are a lot of corrupt systems. When you add people to things, then things go wrong because humans are humans. And, right. you know, some of us are dicks and some of us aren't. Right. Um, you know, and I, it's just a broken system across the board. And I think these movies are so, so powerful. This one in, in particular, um, you know, another one that we've talked about is Black Klansman. That didn't happen very long ago um, as well. Um, but yeah, just to think that this man in Just Mercy is probably, I mean, he's, he's passed away, but there are people that he was in death row with that are now off death row that are now mm-hmm. watching things happen and right. wondering like, you know, like that woman who just turned um, 72, who went to the first desegregated school and she's watching this, you know, in her lifetime, there's been so many fights and, and you can just imagine their frustration about like, why isn't it fixed yet? Right. We, we yeah. pretended for a long time that it's <laughs> fixed, but it's not fixed. Well, so did you see the the little short film that Spike Lee put out just this week? Not yet. Mm-hmm. I haven't been able to watch no, that No, I haven't one. seen it. So all, basically what he did is he took scenes from Do the Right Thing, which came out back in 1989, and he intercut this with footage of George Floyd and with some of these other people. And it's just – it's so hard-hitting because it's like this same crap is still happening. You know, and over and over, and it's just a cycle. And and Val, I applaud you mm-hmm. for having these conversations with your with your kid, um, with Sammy and Jake. I'm sure you, um, you know, with your kids, we've got to teach this next generation. So I was brought up to be like colorblind. Like I didn't care um, if somebody was black or brown or or whatever. I it didn't make a difference to me. Um, but whereas like. My dad would sometimes would say something. He, there's a nut um, that's a Brazil nut that, that has a racist, uh, racist uh, nickname. And he would call it by that. And mm-hmm. my grandma used to talk about how she'd be so upset that the spicks were moving in across the street. And so we're getting a little bit better and a little bit better um, each generation. But I didn't understand until I was more of an adult as to the struggles that these people are facing. And like I said, I spent a lot of time thinking we were much further ahead than we are. So we've got to explain to the kids 
this is a problem that's still happening and we've got to we've got to be able to move past that and hopefully this next generation or two will be able to do that yeah well it, and it depends what we teach them and right. and i think that has a big you know the other day uh, i had changed my little frame on facebook uh obviously such as uh, a little thing that you can do but i changed my frame to black lives matter and then shortly after that my son changed his and I asked him about it and he said, well, yeah, because I saw that you changed yours and I thought that was really cool. And it made me realize wow. whether wow. we think about it or not, our kids are watching what we do and they're watching us in these moments. They're watching right. us to see how we react, to see what our thoughts are. And the things that we say and do right now are what they're going to learn and take away from this experience. And it can be something where in a, the next generation or two, things change and, and for the better, or it can be the same things over and over again. Right. And I think that that's where we have to um, make sure that we're passing along the right information. Uh, and it's, and it's hard. It's, I don't know. Cause I, I know plenty of other people that aren't <laughs> right. Fortunately. Yeah. And, and so, these are yeah. hard conversations to have, but we've got to have them. And so I was going to say, we have to have uncomfortable yeah. conversations with our kids because it's only when you're uncomfortable that change actually happens. And so right. we need to be uncomfortable for a long time. And it's so great. Again, I'm going to say it again, that all of these streaming networks are having, they're putting this content, this educational content out there for you um, to use at your fingertips and watch them with your kids. If you need to watch all the documentaries first and then watch them with your kids. But this right. is the thing. And I've said this before, I learned more by watching Schindler's List about what happened during that time than I did in a history class. Do you know why? Because those images were uncomfortable. Right. Because it made me feel horrible. And I will remember it forever and ever. Watching this movie, Just Mercy, watching mm -hmm. um, things like I Am Not Your Negro, which is so powerful. And, and you know, you guys have said a lot of things that that he talks about in that documentary that explains like why um, people um, kind of feel that African-Americans are so disposable. And it's because mm -hmm. at one time they were property all the right. way up in the fifties mm -hmm. and sixties, they were property to some people. So that's why they, some people still treat them as property. And so they are easily dismissed and disposable. And the way they explained it in this movie to me, like I've understood it before, but I understood it so, so much um, that again, we have, we have the ability to learn and I'm just holding up my list, like of all the notes of things that I've taken over the last two weeks, we have the ability <laughs> to learn things um, that our parents weren't able to learn. Right. That our grandparents weren't able to learn because they were living it and struggling between what was right and what was wrong. We don't have an excuse. Right. Our kids don't have an excuse because we have at our fingertips something that can totally ruin us, which is the Internet, but mm -hmm. also that can totally teach us exactly what we need to learn. And I would say this right now, we as white people, as not color people of color need to be learning from people of color. Right. And these movies and these documentaries that we're going to be posting on our mm -hmm. um, 
website and Facebook. These are movies and documentaries made by people of color telling us their stories, telling us how they have had to survive and kind of telling us what we need to understand. Right. And it's so powerful that we're able and we have the privilege to watch these movies and get this information because there are so many people that don't and and right. uh, we should really take advantage of this information. Well, uh, our good friend Mike from uh, Watchtower, um, he has posted some stuff, and he's a Pacific Islander, but he relates so much as, as to what's going on. And I love, I want to give him a shout out because when the protests were happening, um, he and Corey were posting on Facebook, and they're like, if you need a place to go that's going to be safe, that we're going to take care of you, if you just need water, if you just need whatever, come down. We're just down the street. We're, uh, we're out of the way from the protests that are happening, but come down and we're going to, we're going to take care of you. I loved the story that came out of, um, I think it was New York or maybe, uh, no, I think it was Boston, um, where a guy from, uh, who was a recent immigrant just from like a year or two ago, um, from the Middle East, um, saw these people trying to get away, um, as curfew was happening. And he let them into his house. He let like a hundred people into his house and fed them pizza and let them spend the night there. And, and police were tear gassing the house and flying a helicopter over the top. And it's, it's those little moments of humanity that's going to propel us through this. I, I believe I really do. It's the, it's the kindness. It's the little things. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's really what um, Michael B. Jordan's character in just mercy did for you know, all of these people he was helping in their family, you know, there's a scene when he first goes um, to the house with all of the family, the neighborhood, you know, people from church, and they're all there looking at him. And he's just this young kid, Mm -hmm. you know, green eyed from, from um, Harvard thinking he's going to change the world. And they're like, you know, there have been six people before you. Right. You know, and they took our money and then they left you know, what's different about you, you know, and, you know, that's, that had to be, I mean, he had a lot of trials and tribulations, but you're getting pushed back from both sides here. You're trying to help the family at the same time, giving hope to people sometimes, especially when they've been hopeless for so long is a really hard thing to do when you don't know that you have a hundred percent have the right answer for them and that it's going to, you know, what's going to happen in the end. And, that was, you know, they had him sitting. I love the camera work in this film because they have him sitting low and they strategically have all these people just, and it just makes him look so small and so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, and he takes right. a breath and he's just like, you know, I, I want to help you and I'm not going to take any of your money. And he goes through this big, long speech. And then someone at the end of the speech said, you had me at, you know, it's not going to cost us any money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I love the fact in that scene, the first thing that he says is, I want to hear from you. And I think that's the attitude that we all need to take is we need to learn from each other, from these people who have experienced these things. I, I get so tired of being online sometimes where it just is the shouting match. And it's like, you're not having a conversation. You're just being a jerk to somebody else on online because you can. Yeah. And um, the other scene, I think the most powerful scene in the movie is right. when the judge overturns um, or when the judge says, no, we're not going to have a retrial. And um, the son stands up 
And he's like, you can't do this to me again. And I can't remember. There's another movie where the, the basically the, the phrase is hope is a very dangerous thing. Yeah. And it, in that moment, it's like, you gave me hope. I was already, this is what I was expecting. My dad was on death row. He's never going to get out. Um, you gave me hope that this was going to happen. And now you're tearing this all away from me again. It's almost worse the second time. Yeah. Yeah. And that scene to me was the the top scene in the movie. I love that scene. Yeah. I don't know if Jake's still slow. Yeah, and it was so powerful. You've been in uh, and out a little bit. I know. I don't know. I don't know if you guys can hear me or what's happening. We got I'm you. having more technical difficulties. I'm going to pop I'm going to pop out and pop back in. So you guys keep going and I'll I'll be right back. <laughs> Do we let him in, Val? I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll let him back in. I just love that there was a moment where his I, I can let was myself in if I do still, it right. Yeah. But he was talking. He was really yeah. good at <laughs> Like that's a cool magic trick. It's like ventriloquism. Yeah, it was it was great. But I mean <laughs> All right, again, you know, this is this is probably one of our most serious shows right. that um we have ever had. Um, but I think we need to have these serious shows and we need to have these serious talks and we need to talk about these movies that make us sad and that make us uncomfortable. Right. And the fact that we even have these movies. Um, I was watching a, a documentary this morning. Um, you guys remember the movie that came out a couple of years ago that was huge at Sundance um, called the birth of a nation. Yep. The documentary is called the birth of a movement. And it's about the first blockbuster in American film um, was actually the birth of a nation, but mm -hmm. before it was that, it was Klansmen. Right. That's what the name of it was. And, um, you know, some of the people in this documentary, people of color said this was probably the most racist uh, movie ever made. However, it was also probably the most truthful movie ever made by a white man ever about how they felt at the time. Um, and, uh, such a great um, documentary. And then if you haven't seen a birth of a nation, obviously a great, powerful movie. Um, the movie that came out a while ago, not, not the original. Not the, not the 1907 the, version. Yeah. yeah. Not the 1907 version. <laughs> Although that one is very powerful as well because it is. I, I was it, exposed to that in film school for the first time. Yes, and so I was on the floor. I'm like, wait, what? They it's do everything. They they do everything in that movie that makes that you should feel uncomfortable when mm -hmm. watching because, you know, at the time they didn't they didn't allow people to really be people of color in the cinema. And so it was a ton of blackface, blackface. and a ton of racism and um, right. just. But again, I, I thought it was so powerful that that guy said it was probably the most truthful uh, movie made because they did not hold back at all. There was no political correctness. There was nothing. And at the it time, it was a celebration at the time. It was yeah, a celebration was, of how white Christian males from the dawn of time up until now are the greatest thing that ever it, happened. And it came out the same year that the NAACP was forming. And so there was this like combustion of. We now have the NAACP. We have this hugely racist movie and the NAACP didn't quite know what to do with it. And so some independent um, people of color filmmakers had to make their own version of the film, which wasn't um, really 
they didn't not a lot of people got to see it and um they thought that movie was going to cause a riot <laughs> Um, because it was, it was depicting, you know, more of a realistic fact of, of things, um, from their point of view. So again, all of these movies and this information has been around for a long time. It's just how you see it. Um, and then what you do with that information after you see it. And so many people are asking also where to donate or how they can help. Mm -hmm. And I think what we'll do, um, with this list of movies that we're going to put up is we can also put up some links and resources, um, about where you can help and where you can donate. Um, and we want to hear from you. Like, yeah. what did you think of this film? Are there any films out there that are not on our top 20? Now, of course, there's hundreds of films, but, you know, we had to put it into some kind of list. So the top 20 list, I actually started out with top 10. And then I'm like, no, I got to put this one on. Then it went to top 15. And then I was like, no, but this one is so good. So it went to top 20. Um, and so... There are hundreds and hundreds of films and documentaries that are so important. So if there's one that you see that is not on this list, please make sure that you post it on our Facebook page after we post the list so other people can see it. And and again, utilize that as well. Um, because, again, we're just so lucky that we we have so much media out there and entertainment right. out there that is actually educational for us. Hey, Jake, you're back. I'm back. I'm really sorry, guys. Um, you're okay. Uh, but, yes, I love the list. I'm excited about the list. Um, and I think that it's definitely worth sharing and talking about. Um, there is a lot out there. And I think the more we can take in, um, the better. And especially to experience something that's outside of ourselves, which is what um, a good story should do. I think, or one of the things that a good story can do is help us experience something outside of ourselves and in the end, discover a little bit more of ourselves in it. So yeah, absolutely. And I want to note that the list would probably be different if um, a person of color or people of color were putting absolutely. it together. But right. obviously these as being a white woman, um, these are movies that as I was watching them, um, made me want to go and learn more struck a chord with me. And of course, you know, we're going to, I'm going to be talking to Tracy and Jake about them and they're, you know, going to give two cents and it will be a a group collaboration of a list. But um, these are movies that, that moved us to learn more and to start a conversation. And, um, and so that's what that list is. And again, if you have a list of your own that you think we should share, um, we would definitely love to see that as well. Or if you have resource links um, to where people can now go and help, because the biggest thing is you see it, you learn about it, and then you try and help change it. If you have um, any resources um, for volunteering, for donating, for petitioning, um, let us know and we can share those as well. Yeah, we can't, we can't let this be a flash in the pan. We can't be this, well, it happened and then we move on. This has to be something that we carry on as individuals, as a community, as a nation, as a world population, we've got to move forward. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. And there are a lot of different ways that, that you can help, that you can make a difference. Being on the front lines at a protest may not be what's right for everybody. Um, you know, Val's talked about a lot of the reasons why they're not able to go out and protest. And there may be a lot of really valid reasons why you can't. Um, but there are ways that you can help and there are ways that you can contribute and there are ways that that you can learn and become better and improve. Um, I think 
a lot about the song uh, Little Changes by Frank Turner, who I know mm-hmm. is one of your favorites, Tracy. Um, but that's one of my favorite songs because, uh, you know, the first verse is kind of about how little stuff changes, but the chorus really goes into the big things stay the same if we don't make little changes. And that's really what it's about. Change yourself, change your sphere, um, help influence those around you to do better, help yourself Mm -hmm. to do better, find ways to improve yourself. And if everybody does that, then the big things will change and the big things will be different. Um, Yeah. We we have to start at a personal level and then to our kids and to our families and to our friends and to our community to a state and then a nation and then the world. You, but it's got to start with us. When, when I was a senior in high school, we moved to Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, I always joke because my parents hated me. So they moved me my senior year in high school. <laughs> but um, I had grown up in Salt Lake, um, which is predominantly one race. It's predominantly white. Uh, in Salt Lake, Utah, and um, Las Vegas is a little bit more diverse. And I remember um, right after we moved there, we were walking in the corner gas station, my sister and I, and um, there was a young man coming down the street who happened to be black. And my sister wanted to cross the street. And I was like, oh, no, we're not going to do that. Because I was like, that's just going to look really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was like, well, I just don't Something, something, I I don't, you know, she's matured a lot since she was in high school and she does not have the same views, but she was like, I just don't like the looks of him. And I, and I think that primarily what it was, was she, we hadn't encountered a lot of people of other races. And um, I remember kind of standing for, we're just going to walk by him and everything. But what breaks my heart is looking back on the experience and remembering that inside, I was thinking the same thing she was saying out loud. Um, And that's something that, that experience has stuck out to me as something that I've tried to improve on and, and tried to be better about personally um, and not just jump to conclusions based on what anybody looks like or how I perceive them based on what, you know, any kind of outward appearance, whatever it might be. And those are things that each of us have to take a look at in ourselves and say, where can I be better and what can I do? And I think that that's uh, sometimes a tough thing. So, yeah. Yeah. I I remember the first time I went to Florida. Um, that was my first time being in an area with a lot of African Americans and I was blown away. Oh my gosh, there's so many African American people. And it wasn't like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. It was just like it's like you said, Jake, I'm so used to just having white people around that it was just kind of shocking to my middle school brain um how many people there were. And I and and it, it pains me too because I mean, not not too long ago, we were having the stories about the the gentleman, and I feel awful for not re- remembering his name off the top of my head, but who was chased down and shot in the streets because he I go have a little bit harder name to pronounce. Yeah, so I, please please look that up. But but it really struck me because I go running through my neighborhood at like eleven o'clock, eleven thirty at night because it's cooler, and I've never had any sort of issue. And to think that there are people who are just going through the neighborhood in broad daylight who are chased down and gunned down. It's just, mm-hmm. we, we've got to do better. Yeah. It's, um, uh, um, and I say this wrong every time I think it's Ahmad Aubrey. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you. Um, 
And yeah, I, I had to learn how to say that and spell that a few times, but yeah. Um, and, and luckily in that, in that scenario, if you haven't heard, um, three men have been arrested and are, mm-hmm. and are being, um, charged with murder. Um, yes. so that's, and, and you guys had that. And my, my daughter had such, um, an exact opposite experience because we grew up in an area where it was predominantly, um, Hispanic and, um, African-American families. So she went to a junior high where she was the minority. And then she moved to, we moved to West Jordan where she went to Copper Hills and she came home the first day and she's like, I have never been to a school with so many white kids before. Like it, she, Mm -hmm. it was very different for her because, um, she grew up going to schools where, there were so many um, mixes of races um, and this was the first time that, you know, she wasn't the minority. And so she, we've had a lot of conversations about that as well. And so I think, you know, everybody's experiences are so different and which is so good. And that's why we can have, you know, these conversations to understand where each other come from. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone has an instance, I think like that, Jake, where, where, you've judged someone, but we've learned, you know, I very much, um, I kind of get freaked out. Um, (laughs) when I, when I'm the only one in an elevator with an older white guy, (laughs) because you know, my experience, you know, um, yeah, you know, since I was younger, that's what I feared, um, because of experiences. And so, you know, I think we all have those instances that we judge people. Um, and the key thing is, is that you've changed and that I've changed. Exactly. A lot of people have changed and that we're open to change. The biggest thing is that we have to be open to it. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people on the internet that regardless how many videos they see of the truth, um, they're not open to change, but we've got to keep, you know, pushing and keep educating and keep an open mind. And, and hopefully we can, you know, move into a different, a, a different time. And there's, yeah. there's nothing wrong with saying I was wrong. I didn't understand or I, 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 I'm, you know, th- those, those phrases, um, or I've changed my mind. I've, I've become a different person. I've like, um, I can't remember one of my friends posted, but they said they had a conversation with a family member who said, I never understood that Colin Kaepernick wasn't disrespecting the flag. There was a bigger issue. And right. I'm yeah. so bad that I feel so bad that I felt this way. And my friend was like, Hey, you're here now. You know, like we have to be able to to let the past go and move forward as well. Um, yeah, that's like right. Roger. Said, we've all got stuff in our past. We've all got the University yeah. of Utah defensive coordinator on the football team got suspended because of a racist tweet back or a, a text back in 2013. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's you have to say, am I a different person today than I was yesterday versus years ago? Yeah. And I think that's so important. And I think the other thing that we have to do that that's very hard. Um, and, and I, I want to be careful how I say this because I, I do agree, like be as patient as you want to be with people online. Like if, if you've got friends that you just feel like I'm never going to get through to them and I barely mm-hmm. even know this person and all they're doing is just being a troll, then just get rid of them. That's fine. Like you do what you need to do on, on social media. But I right. do think we have to be understanding of people and allow them to change and, and, you know, people that, that you do know and that you've gotten to know, 
people can change and we need to allow them to do that and be a little bit forgiving of who they were and understand that, yeah, that's what I said five or six years ago and it was wrong and I still feel awful about it. And this is how I've changed and grown from that experience because that's really ultimately what we want is we want change. We want people to become better. Mm -hmm. We want the world to become better. Um, I I'm still, I still hold out for the Star Trek utopia that it's, it's going to happen. We can get there. We're going to go through some rough stuff in in between, but we can get there because I believe people can change. I believe society can change, but we have to allow for that to happen too. Um, Well, we, we learned that Rocky four. Yes, that's true. If you can change and I can change, we can change anyway. Yeah. But, um, so I, I, I think that social media just is not where you're going to change people's minds and just be as patient as you feel like you need to be there and step away if you need to. Um, But this movie I think is a great movie. I think everyone should go and watch it, take advantage of it during June. Um, June is a big month um, in African-American history. If you don't know what Juneteenth is, you need to go look that up. You need to read about it because it's a huge deal. Uh, And it's documentary 13th. (laughs) Nice. It's a big deal, and we should all understand what Juneteenth is because it's not just a big deal for African Americans. It's a big part of American history, and it's something that should be celebrated uh, and recognized. And so uh, all of that combined into what's going on today, this is a great movie to go uh, and watch and understand a little bit more. I'm excited to go through that list uh, and, and put that out there for everybody to go through because there's some more mm-hmm. movies where you can step outside yourself. Uh, I think – Val, we're working on another list for LGBTQ um, stuff as well, because June is also Pride Month. Um, Take opportunities to get to know people outside yourself. That's the first step to understanding. Um, And we've we've sold each other on this myth that if I understand you um, and I accept you for who you are, then I have to agree with everything that you say and I have to be... And that's not true. I can I can understand you. I can love you and I can tolerate you. Even if I don't see eye to eye on everything that you believe, that's okay. The important thing is that we respect each other, even though we're different. And that's that's key. That's, Jake tolerates that's, me every time ding, we were. Ding, ding. <laughs> Val, I love you. It's not a toleration thing. We, we're, we're good. <laughs> Jake and I often uh, feel like you tolerate us, Val. So that's true. <laughs> I'm the troublemaker here. Well, <laughs> um, let's. We did talk about a movie today. What do we want to give this as far as grades go, Val? Val you you know, I give, yeah. When it came out um, last year, I gave it a solid B plus, and I'm sticking on to that B plus. I think it was an absolutely fantastic movie. The writing was great. Um, the way that they took the story and turned it into a screenplay, sometimes that can get lost. Um, but I thought it was great. I thought, you know, very powerful performances um, all around. Um, even some of the sub characters that we really didn't talk about today mm-hmm. um, were very powerful and intricate into the story. Um, I would watch this over and over um, and just solid B plus for me. Yeah. I'm going to be right in the, the B plus a minus range. Um it, it felt like it was right on the cusp of being something absolutely tremendously powerful. And it still is, but it was yeah. like, it was right on the cusp, but it just didn't there quite clear that far. Things. Exactly. Yeah, That's my thing. More on the technical level. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 
Um, but I love that people are having conversations. Our, our friend, uh, James Estrada, um, that's a friend of the show. I mean, he watched this with his nine-year-old son, um, sparking that conversation, having discussions like we're having today. Um, very, very powerful movie. If you haven't checked it out, um, like Jake said, it's pretty much free everywhere. I streamed it through Fandango now last night on the big screen TV. So um, you really don't have an excuse to go to, to check this one out. Yeah, I would, I would give it an a minus myself. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think the performances from Michael B. Jordan, as well as um, Jamie Foxx were incredible. This was a good reminder as to why Jamie Foxx won an Oscar uh, quite a few years ago, because in between there, we got Electro, which just wasn't very good. I keep trying to forget about that movie. I know, but But we had Electro and two Avengers in the same movie. Yeah, it's true. So so that was good. But But he's also going to be in Soul, the new Pixar movie coming out later this year. But yeah. he he has some acting chops. I mean, he is an incredible performer, and we see that uh, in this movie. And it was good to see him get back to that form. I I wish it would have been nominated for more things, especially his performance, because I do think it's powerful. Um, and I I think it just is is really well done. Um, I'm not as big a cinematic uh, nerd as you guys nerd. are, and so I probably miss out on some of those things that that you saw. But for me, it was enjoyable. Um, Enjoyable in, in how informative uh, it was. Yeah. Enjoyable may not be the right word for for a movie like this, but it it was good. Well, like I said yeah. earlier, it it didn't come across. It doesn't come across as preachy. It doesn't hit you over the head. It's just presenting the story to you. Yeah. And awesome. if you've seen Just Mercy, and we've talked about it a lot today, and so tonight you need another movie to watch. Um, again, our top five are The Hate You Give, which is rated PG-13. Number four is Just Mercy, which we talked about. Number three is Do the Right Thing, definitely rated R. Number two is The Color Purple. Mm -hmm. And number one is going to be more than a one-night watch, and it's When They See Us on Netflix. It's actually a series. Um, It's very, very hard to get through, but push through it. It's hard to get through because it especially if you have kids, it's, it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever watched um, in my life cinematically um, was when they see us um, based on, uh, Oh my gosh, we've talked about a lot of things, the central park five. Um, And so, uh, but I think especially because like you guys said earlier, this is current, this didn't happen very long ago. um, And so it really hits you. Um, but that's our top five. If you want to see our whole top 20, you can go to our website or our Facebook page. Exactly. So we'll have that posted uh, this week. Um, we appreciate you taking the time to listen. Um, this is, a, like I said at the beginning, a special bonus episode that we're doing. We felt like, uh, as the three of us talked, that it was something we wanted to talk about on the air. Um, mm-hmm. We we have a platform. It may not be a huge platform, but we want to use it for what we can, um, for what good we can do in the world. And we felt like this was appropriate. Um, we will be back to our normal stuff again next week. We have a special guest, Eileen Dobbins, who will be on the show. Uh, We'll be talking about the movie Heathers. Um, so that's exciting. Um, in the meantime, uh, you know, like our stuff on Facebook, please um, share this with those that you think might be interested. We appreciate that. Uh, and we won't see you at the movies. Be more Bye, kind, everybody. my friends. Bye. Be more kind.
This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.